0: Head to MikeReinald.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode, we talk about being accessible to clients, advanced ACL rehab, and more importantly, we answer the question, do we ever get stumped? The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back everybody to the show. Um, today we've got some great questions that the Gabonator over here is going to, uh, to share with us, right? Right. He's excited. <laughs> yeah, <it's dope. laughs> uh, welcome back. So this is, I guess this is our fourth episode, and you can see we're trying to kind of put the pieces together here. We're trying to, you know, figure out a little bit of the formatting with, uh, you know, the video and the audio, but we're getting there. So so bear with us. I think we're getting better, but, um, you know, looking for feedback, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. But um, let's start the show. Let's go questions, right? Gabe, what do we got today? First question from Andrew from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Andrew who? Millet. Andrew Millett. What's up, Andrew? I know, I've know i known Andrew for a while now, good young therapist here in the Boston area. I guess he's not super young, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. But uh, <laughs> um, Good, you know, up-and-coming therapist in the area, so um, I've seen him at a bunch of courses. So thanks, Andrew. Thanks for submitting a question.
1: So Andrew asks, I know you have a family, and I know you've mentioned webinars before about
0: being accessible to clients when you're out of the office. I was wondering, how do you keep a work-family balance so that you can be accessible to your clients but also to your family. All right, so question about, really number one, I guess, being accessible to your clients. Um, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe Len, you can, maybe yeah. you, you can talk about what yes, we do here uh, at Champion, but.
1: Yeah, we, we treat our life here. Um, we try to get our clients and let them know that whenever they need us, um, we're available. And it, it is difficult. Um, I got to keep my wife busy at home and so I can sneak her. No, I'm kidding.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike was like, what are we going Like, with? where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it, it, is, it is definitely tricky. Um, you know, you get a text message on Saturday that, hey, my ankle's sore, what should I do? And you, I eventually get back to it. I try not to go back and forth with text messages or emails, but there's definitely a challenge in trying to uh, get information to the client as quickly as possible um, without killing the family life Uh, my wife is uh, you know we're due to have a child soon and you know that's going to change my life and mike's got children so he he lives it even more so than i do and my life's going to change i don't know if you i don't (laughs) know if i've added anything it's a challenge but we you know it's it's doable
0: well i I guess the first thing i would say is why would you want to do that and that would be number one and i think that's that's part of a difference maker for us and them and um you know lenny and i were both Trained down in Birmingham, Alabama with Dr. James Andrews, and he's one of the people that I always I've always looked up to with how he handles things like that. He's the most accessible person I've ever yeah. worked with. Um, he's answering the phone all day. I mean, if Lenny or I or anybody, I mean, if you right now just called his cell phone right now, yeah. he'd answer. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing. and I think that's part of his success is being accessible. So for us, it, it, that's part of our niche, right? Especially since we're a cash-based practice, you know, out of network with ther- with um, insurance benefits. Um, for us, that's part of it. You know, I have people text me at nine o'clock at night saying, "Hey, you know, my, you know, I was shoveling uh, earlier today, my back's spasming. Mean, can you squeeze me in in the morning?" I mean, if they had to go through like a, a front desk and all those things that aren't vested in, in our business and sort of thing, I don't know if that goes well. But um, I, I don't know. I, I hate to use the word concierge, but I feel like we are we're really here for the clients and we're here for them, uh, um, you know, to help all the time. So I would say I, I recommend it, and we've I've always been like that. And that's kind of sports medicine, I guess. I mean, you know, when I was an athletic trainer or more, I mean, you're, you're available for the team at all times, essentially. And I feel like I've extended that to my current clients now. Um, so I would say you do that. I mean, how do you balance it? I, I, you know, I, I, I do think you set limits. You know, you say, you know, you're not going to check text messages all day, but, like, maybe you batch them where you, you know, I, it's not very uncommon for me to have, like, you know, six, seven, eight. 20 unread text messages over the course of the day and I'll get to them when I can sit down and dedicate some time. But I'm not going to I'm not going to be looking at dinner. I I mean, we're all guilty of doing that, I think, sometimes. But, like, you know, for me it's about being accessible but trying to chunk your time. So I would say definitely do it and I'd say there's a way to do it. Um, You know, but, you know, I, I think if you're Hey, I'm only working nine to five, and I'm totally unresponsive out of there. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I get my, my clientele doesn't want that, so maybe your clientele does, but I, I don't think that's our clientele. Yeah,
1: it's a good answer. I would definitely agree with that. Coming from you know the Birmingham model, going back, we were busy, and I didn't have a vested interest necessarily in the business besides my patients getting better, which is huge. I think you got to prioritize. Um, are you in it for your clients 100%, and you want? You want that access. Um, They're gonna appreciate it. Word gets out to their friends, and believe it or not, it could make your business that much better and set you uh, apart from the group that I potentially may have come from, where I just, I wanted to shut it down and uh, you could find me Monday if you needed me. Um, And that's not what we do here. and We don't advertise a concierge-like thing, but we, in our heads, that's how we're running the business Yeah, it's It's huge and people definitely appreciate it I hear it all the time they're so shocked that they get a text message from me Saturday night or whatever Uh, trying to do it at dinner like Mike said but they're so Pleasantly surprised of how responsive we are.
0: Yeah, and then I mean, who do you think they're gonna text or whatever when they sprain their ankle in a month? Too, it's gonna be you. Right. It's gonna be just direct to you because they know they can. They can just text you, and you're gonna respond and get you in ASAP. So.
1: And these are established clients. These aren't just random people that are texting us and looking for advice. I'm not gonna give somebody medical advice if I don't know the situation. These are established clients that. We know the situation. We know the history. We know a lot about them, and we're willing to uh, help them out, uh, you know, quickly, and then get them in probably that week if it is a weekend to figure it out.
0: Nice disclaimer. That was yes, good. That was yes, like Lenny's legal yes. disclaimer right there. That's well, totally the lawyers told me that. What do we got, Gabe? All right. Question number two comes from Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. Awesome. Very good. Harrison Dale writes: What is your assessment protocol for middle and late stage ACO reconstructions? And what's your criteria to return to sport? All right. So Harrison said, "What are our? I like rereading the question for some reason. I guess I'm used to that from seminars. I guess. <laughs> um, so uh, how do how do we assess middle to late? So we'll just call them advanced ACL reconstructions and return to sport. Um, heck, back in the day, we used to do it all." Um, Back in the day, back in Birmingham in the early 2000s, we used to do obviously a clinical exam, we used to do a KT test, an arthrometer where we are actually measuring the amount of laxity side to side. Um, we used to do isokinetic testing, we used to do hop tests, that type of thing. So uh, our, one of our mentors, Kevin Wilk, actually shares a really good story um, about why he stopped doing hop tests, by the way. I don't know, do you know the story? said they, they they used to do hop tests a lot just because it was pretty popular and i know a lot of great therapists that still do bob manjean talks about it all the time i'm trying to think of who else i know does it all the time and all the guys at cincinnati sports medicine do it um, kevin um, shared a story of somebody he was doing a hop test for that hopped and re their acl <laughs> and he hasn't done one since so um and i don't want to speak for him but that's that's a very interesting with Hopkins. So, we, we used to do it all. Um, now, I, I, we don't do any of that. You know, for us, I think the number one assessment I do is have they had an appropriate rehabilitation progression? And I hate the timelines with protocols where somebody says, um, well, it's week 12, I can jog well, you're supposed to get your motion back, you're supposed to get your baseline strength and dynamic stability, you're supposed to get some strength up, you're supposed to start these activities, you don't just jump to running because it's whatever, week 12, I'm just making up numbers, but it's week 12, you jump to it because you've met the right rehab progression. So, I would say my first and foremost is that. Um, Len, yeah, take. I mean, I,
1: I agree, we're, we're, it's definitely not a cookbook uh, treatment, so... Hopefully you've had the person in since post-op day one, and if or whatever post-op week one, and you've seen them mature through the process. And to me, that's huge to how well they hit their milestones. In my head, full motion four weeks at late six weeks. Did they get stiff? Were they really swollen when they came when they came in? Um, did they have any other issues? Do they have meniscal repair versus debridement? Do They have any bone bruises? Probably if you. I look at the literature most people get some kind of bone bruise to me that may delay things a little is it a patella tendon autograph versus an allograph versus a hamstring so all that plays into my head and then it's and then it turns into at three four months it turns into like just getting strong you know to me the ligament is well healed and now they're out there you know doing everything they're doing deadlifts they're doing squats they're they're hitting all that and making sure their quads are coming in, the hamies are coming in, their, 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 are coming in, their uh, hips are strong, and then you're progressing them in their functional. Uh, are they running? Are they cutting? How are they responding? How's their knee respond? Are they able to maintain, um, you know, pain free? Any swelling occur? All that stuff plays in. So it's tough to say, you know, a general, uh, a general term on everybody because everybody responds differently.
0: And and what are you going to do if it's six months out and they're trying to return to sport and you feel like their anterior drawer, their lockman is a little more loose on that side? More often
1: than not, or their quads are tiny, which we have this thing in our head where six months they should be ready to go. Uh, That's certainly not the case, but I've seen six months quads are tiny and the doc's like, yeah, six months you're ready to go. Let's go play soccer or football. And how many of those come back with a re injury or. How many of those five, ten years later develop arthritis or some kind of meniscal injury, you know, and you're thinking, crap, did we get them back too quickly um, at that six-month? Maybe we should have waited an eight-month or a year, which to me is more ideal.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I mean... You know. When it comes down to it, I mean, it comes down to are they physically ready, so have they gone through the progressions, and have you witnessed them do them well? So when it comes to strength, I mean, I think the research and the studies have shown that you're even weak 12 months after an ACL reconstruction. Um, So it's not necessarily that. I mean, you're going to return before 12 months. Um, You're not going to surprise me. I don't need an isokinetic test because I've been watching you through the process. You're, You're out in the gym, you're squatting, you're deadlifting. Like Lenny said, you're doing these types of exercises. I know that you're loading that limb. So I, I don't need to do an isokinetic test anymore, but I need to see you do the right activities. I need to see you running and doing agility work, those types of things. So if you're a physical therapist, and, and you don't have access to some of the stuff at your setting, you got to get a good relationship with the sports performance center, in my mind, and really work with those coaches and the personal trainers there to do that. So something to keep in mind as, as well. So um, yeah, I think the older we get, I think we we have less of a definitive checklist. You have to meet this. You have to meet that. You you, just, you have to present well, and I guess that comes with experience, too, of what, what you should look like. Yeah, so. definitely. All right, Gabe, number three, what do we got? Last question. Tom from Connecticut asks, have you ever had a case that completely stumped you? Ah, Len? No. I never have, I, Len. I,
1: I nail it at the first time. I'm like a Olympic gymnast. Stick the landing. <laughs> of course not. No, I mean, every day is a challenge. Um, every day, you never know what's going to come through your door. You never know... Um, you know what is going to present one way, and, and it's going, somebody's going to have some crazy symptoms, or not tell you the whole story. We just had somebody recently where you're slowly getting the it's information cool. out of them, and you're like, "Oh, why did not you put that in your history? Oh, I didn't think it mattered." Well, you see, that's key for a therapist is, is to know what questions to ask because the patient, again, I hit this almost every time I speak at this podcast, is the patient has the information. You just need to know how to pull it out of them and that helps a ton in your assessment. And again, of course, we get stumped all the time and that's why him and I are bouncing stuff off each other and that's why I recommend, especially young therapists, get in a a clinic where there are a lot of PTs where you can, when you you get stumped, not if you get stumped, when you get stumped, you can talk to them because you're gonna need that.
0: Right, and and so, and I would just say, like, I I don't, uh, maybe we don't get stumped every day, but we get stumped a lot. Um, we, I have a thing I call my, my scratch-your-head test, and this comes up a lot. Um, Any time you, know, you go through your assessment, your clinical examination, whatever it may be, and you think you know what you're doing, um, and the person doesn't respond the way you expect. When that happens, I call it a scratch-your-head moment, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I was expecting it to go this way, and it didn't. And the first thing I think of is, I'm missing something. And in the past I've found cancer. We found, uh, we just recently found somebody with a tumor in his back that, you know, is, why isn't he responding, why does he have back pain he's not responding to the care we're giving him like as an athlete, that's kind of weird, right? So again, we're like, all right, let's get a full workup. Let's, let's send him for some specialist there. And he had a, a non-cancerous tumor in his back. Um, so, um, or you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things you scratch you scratch your head a little bit, but we found cancers, we found uh, just really goofy things that don't add up. Goofy
1: things like shoulder pain that's been diagnosed as tendonitis or bursitis or biceps tendonitis, whatever, and you get that thing out of the box. Is it thoracic outlet? We've been seeing a lot of stupid stuff. Not to go into specific diagnoses, but when things don't add up, definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah, so we, we, you, everybody gets stumped all the time, yeah. so don't worry about that. Just realize that when you're stumped, it's probably time to say, what are we missing? Right. And I think that's the point. Do a reassessment, and oftentimes it's just not normal. People don't look like the anatomy textbook that Netter and even Da Vinci drew. So, like, people just aren't like that. You have to realize that that's just not the norm. So there's a lot of uh, anomalies out there, so awesome Well, thanks so much guys another episode in the books I hope you're enjoying it I hope you like like the length of these we're trying to keep these kind of brief and condensed and doing these there um, but you know your feedback is welcome you know like um, hit us up on social media or you know post something on the website give us some some feedback on on what you like what you don't like but more important we need your questions because this is really how we want to do the podcast is we want to answer your questions instead of just force feeding you what we want to talk about so ask us questions uh, mycom slash podcast You can find some information as well as using the hashtag AskMikeReinald on Twitter if uh, if that's how you want to do it. So um, do all those. uh, Help us out. uh, Subscribe on uh, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. And um, we'll see you on the next show. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question.